Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. After four students slaughtered in their beds in Idaho on the edge of campus, police are releasing body cam footage. Body cam footage that occurred the night of the murders. Why now? This, as we learn, the elected coroner assigned to the quadruple murder, who was also a defense lawyer, also represents a killer. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to this. For the first time, detectives in Idaho are releasing body camera footage, hoping it can provide new leads in the case of those four murdered college students. Moscow 77. The videos show officers on patrol in Moscow, Idaho, in the early morning hours of November 13th, around the time investigators believe Zainer Karnadal, Ethan Chapin, Madison Mogan, and Kaylee Gonsalves were killed in a home near the University of Idaho. Take a nap, 21. Yeah. In one video, officers are seen issuing citations to three teens for underage drinking. An apartment complex across the street from the victim's home is visible, just steps away from the officers. Investigators say the people in the videos have been cleared, and the incidents have nothing to do with the murders. As you were just hearing from our friends at ABC, body cam footage has been released. Detectives in Idaho releasing body cam footage hoping it can provide new leads. With me, an all-star panel, but first to Dave Mack, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. Dave Mack, I'm just curious about the timing of the release of the body cam footage, but more important, the footage shows Moscow police on patrol. 
in the early morning hours of November 13, around the time of the murders. And in one of the videos, we see officers giving citations to three teens for underage drinking. An apartment complex across the street from the victim's home is visible. Now, tell me the significance of that, Dave Mack. It actually sets the entire scene for what was taking place at the moment we believe the murders took place. It shows the police, as you mentioned, they're right near the apartment complex that is near the house. You can see the whole area. You can see the cars. You can see anything that was going on. So again, setting the table for what was taking place in the moment we believe the murders took place. Guys, um, over the past 48 hours, I have watched one particular video over and over and over. I'd stop it. I'd try to reverse it. I'd watch each segment over and over. And I've got to tell you where I found it. I found it at a podcast, but there is video to go with it. It's called The Interview Room. And I got to tell you something. Watching the podcast, and you'll see why, not just listening to it, but watching it, you can you can get it on your your iPad, your iPhone, the interview room. I'll tell you why it was so significant to me. The words I was hearing as I watched it helped me a lot too. But what I saw was <laughs> well, Cheryl McCollum. This is why I never tried a case without going to the crime scene first. Okay, Cheryl McCollum with me right now is a guy named Chris McDonough. Now, he was uh, a director at a Cold Case Foundation, former homicide detective. That's coldcasefoundation.org. As I said, former homicide, worked over 300 homicides over 25 years, and he is host of this podcast called The Interview Room. And what I saw is this. He, and I think it's your wife, Chris McDonough, but a lady that you keep calling honey. Apparently, the two of you were in a car, but somebody was in a car. <laughs> and it, it slowly <laughs> eased through town. It looked a lot like where I grew up, Chris McDonough. Um, not even in a city. Outside a little city, Macon, Georgia. It was little at the time. There's snow everywhere in this video. And you're riding along. And you see everything, and the guy, and I think that's you, Chris McDonough, is talking over it, and he is telling you everything you're seeing as you drive through Moscow, Idaho. You get to a gas station. He's telling you this is this, that's that. And at that gas station, I think that there's going to be video security cam. You turn left and start climbing up a hill. And then you realize exactly what McDonough says. You got to know where you're going to get to 1122 King, the murder house. You go weave all up in there and you see houses all around it, very similar to the murder house. You see the apartment complex. Guys, I could throw a baseball from the apartment complex to the murder house. McDonough takes you up this little ridge, and guess where you end up? You're right there behind the murder house 
where many of us believe the killer had been looking down. I mean, it's right there. It's amazing. Chris McDonough, welcome. Now, you just heard Dave Mack, Chris McDonough, describing the relevance of this body cam footage. Explain to us, where is that footage in relation to 1122 King, the murder house? So that path, uh, there's a path, Nancy, directly to the front door of that residence from where that footage was uh, uh, being filmed that evening from the body camera. You mean in the woods behind the house, there's a path going up to the no, door? No, if we take the body camera footage that evening from the police officers on the alcohol contact, if mm -hmm. you if you cross that street, it goes directly to the, to the front door of that house. Um, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Chris McDonough, wow. As if your drive along wasn't enough. Did you hear that, Dave Mack? Cheryl McCollum, did you hear that? Where this body cam footage is, you cross the street and you're at the crime scene. With me, Cheryl McCollum, forensic expert, founder of Cold Case Research Institute. Chris, Cheryl and I fought in the trenches together when I was a prosecutor. She's a forensic expert. You can find her at coldcasecrimes.org. Cheryl, why is this so important that everybody look at this drive along? Well, I think. You cannot overstate the importance to visit the crime scene. You and I have talked about that before. Where this house is, where this path is, where these woods are, you're talking about a watch area of the perpetrator. And these you know, young people might have been stalked for an hour and a half. They might have been stalked for two weeks. But if you remember, days and weeks after the murders, law enforcement returned to that area, and you can see them even squatting down, and walking through that wooded area, they're not collecting anything. They're literally looking at this watch area to see where this perpetrator might have come and hung out for quite some time. Dr. Bethany Marshall with me, psychoanalyst joining us out of Beverly Hills at drbethanymarshall.com. Uh, she's a star in Bling Empire and more. Dr. Bethany, I want you to hear what Chris McDonough and Cheryl McCollum are saying. How just on top of the quadruple murder, and we're going to go to Dr. Priya Banerjee on that in just a second. Uh, she is assistant medical examiner and forensic pathologist. On top of that, you've got the possibility that someone was sitting back on that, that area, right, it's almost abuts into the back of the murder house, watching them. And I've sh tried to show this picture a million times, Dr. Bethany, it's a picture taken from inside the Sigma Chi house. Mm -hmm. And you can see Ethan sitting there. But that's not the point. The point is you look out the window, you look right at the murder house. There on top of it, somebody sitting there watching them all this time. I know, Nancy. And just like you were watching the video, I was looking at the photos of these beautiful young people. They are so so attractive, young, at the prime of their life. And there are quite a few photos of all four of the victims together. So you amalgamate mm -hmm. that information with somebody who had clear visual access to this home. And, and in my mind, it begins to tell me a little bit about the motive of the perpetrator, not just to attack one individual and then the others are in their way, but somebody who is attracted to a group a group of people who love each other, mm. who are getting along. I haven't heard anybody else comment on this, but, but think about well, it. I don't know if I buy into that, uh, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Let me throw that to Chris McDonough, everybody, former homicide detective. It's hard for me to imagine a, a, a killer 
wanting to murder a whole group. Now, you've done so many homicides. And everybody remember, this is crime stories. This ain't high tea at Windsor Castle. Jump in for Pete's sake. But, Chris, um, unless it's a family situation, especially which we have a lot at Christmas where everybody gets crazy and goes in with a flamethrower and just blows the whole place up, unless you're going for a whole family, I find that really hard to believe that you are targeting four people. Yeah, 100% agree, uh, Nancy, because, I mean, that, that's why this is such uh, the magnitude that it is. Uh, one interesting point, though, to your uh, discussion a minute ago was, you know, this is one way in, one way out. But what I thought was interesting. Oh, wait, is, wait, 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 wait. One way in, one way out. Yes. H hold the thought, Chris, because I want to circle back with anybody on the panel about why cell phone tower data may be important and why this white Elantra is so important they're looking for. Because who the hey, Jackie? is going to be driving out of a one-way-in, one-way-out. I describe it as almost a cul-de-sac at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Who is that person that's hightailing it, skidding out? And in your video, Chris, it really hit me, the thick snow. Like, he, Chris, was trying to walk down in some leaves to give you a good vantage point. He's, he's going to slip, so he's kind of like creeping along in the video. Uh, so I want to circle back on that, Jack. So don't let me forget. Go ahead, Chris. You know, and so what's interesting is the night of the alcohol contact, right, that evening. Uh, that officer was in a plainclothes, you know, situation. So you have to ask yourself, what did he see prior to the homicides? If he spotted the, the juveniles drinking alcohol, he obviously was set up in a surveillance situation. So if a vehicle or somebody was walking, did that officer have, you know, visual contact with that potential suspect, even, you know, approaching the home? So it, it, it actually strengthened the back of the house as a potential, you know, place where this individual would hang out. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. 
offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule. You'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. Plus, what if your products had thousands of five-star reviews? Were natural and affordable? Well, say hello to Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Not sure where to start? I highly recommend the Work System. It's everything you need in one powerful package. Take out the guesswork with a proven routine that includes a gentle yet effective cleanser, a super skin toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. See what everyone is raving about. Dime has over 2 million health Happy customers and their product reviews are literally five stars. And right now through Monday, Dime has their spring into savings sale. Get 25% off site wide. Go to dimebeautyco.com for 25% off every product on the site. That's dimebeautyco.com for 25% off. But hurry, the spring into savings sale ends Monday. Go to dimebeautyco.com. <laughs> Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I, I don't think I noticed in your video, Chris McDonough, you saw the overlapping crime scene tape, and it looked like Cheryl McCollum, uh, as Chris points out in his video on the Interview Room podcast, I, I found it on, I think I found it on YouTube. Cheryl, number one, you cannot minimize the importance of going to a crime scene. You can't try a case unless you've seen the seen the scene. I've had defense witnesses tell me what they saw that night, and then because I'd been to the scene, I could say, well, "Wait a minute, isn't there a huge six foot tall thick hedge between where you were and where the dope deal went down?" And then they're like, "Uh, but, but what? Huh? Okay, yeah, that's why you have to see it." Now, what are you making of what Chris McDonough just told us? Well, I think the most important thing that he's pointed out is the one way in, one way out. Most killers do not box themselves in. So if they're just driving around randomly looking for somebody to harm, they're not going to put themselves in a situation where they are trapped. They're not going to do it. They're going to make sure that they've got an escape route forward, backwards, and sideways. This person did not do that here. And to me, that is critical. Joining me, Irv Brandt, Senior Inspector, U.S. Marshal Service, um, also DOJ, um, author of Solo Shot, Curse of the Blue Stone. It's on Amazon come February, also uh, Flying Solo. Wow, Irv Brandt, how do you have time to do everything that you do, all your books? Question to you, if this guy was undercover, he probably would not have had a body cam, a shoulder, a shoulder cam on. No, that's correct. I mean, and until he's coming into contact with the people that he wants to interview uh, is when he would turn on the body camera. So the events leading up to him uh, making contact probably wouldn't have been recorded because he'd had no reason to turn that body cam on. Yeah, and Robert Crispin joining me, PI, former Federal Task Force DEA in Miami, never like a business there. Uh, Specialty homicide and crimes on children. You can find him at crispininvestigations.com. Thank God at some point he did turn on the body cam. It should give us a view or somewhat of a view of what was happening around the murder scene. Hey, Nance, can I jump in for a second? 
Okay, jump in, Bethany. I, sorry, Crispin. Go I ahead, Bethany. So sorry. I just disagree with the group about a couple of things, and I am not. A crime. Oh, dear Lord in heaven! Oh, unless oh, it's about oh. body cam, hold it. I'll hold it. Hold on, Crispin. Finish the thought on body cam. So the issue with the body cams is it's HD quality video, and I'm sure that they've gone back and they've probably pulled a lot more than just his body cam. Because in the background, as you saw in the ones that they've released, you see some other cars parked there. You see some other things that are going around. So it's kind of giving us yes. more of a sketch of the crime scene area. And with the technology today, and you spoke about those cell phone towers, which we can talk about later, you know, in the timing that this happened, and I'll explain it when you're ready, the, that is going to be the technology that's going to assist law enforcement in making an apprehension in this case. Now, Jackie has held up a sign, and it said the roads look more like alleys than roads. I, I think that may be because they're covered in snow, and by the time people have driven over them, they look like muddy uh, tracks in snow. What about it, Chris McDonough? Think about the snow factor here. And, oh, everybody in your mind, think about where are they getting the tip on the white Hyundai Elantra? And how could it get through that snow? Chris McDonough, I couldn't really tell. Were you driving up a road? Once you get up where the house is, are those, are those actual roads? Are they paths? What are they? They're covered in snow. Yeah, so when you turn up that the main street uh, the, on King Street, if you follow it straight up, Nancy, it goes up and around that um, apartment complex, and it brings you behind the uh the target house yeah there's a big parking lot right behind and the going murder up house. that if you're in that parking lot can you look down at the murder house yes 100 percent, and that's why it was so interesting uh to be back there because just even getting up into that area uh i have a i had a truck and i had to put it in a four-wheel drive to to get up that uh hill uh, because of the ice, you know, to your point. Jack, you look up if a, a um, Hyundai Elantra, let's just go with 2013, has four-wheel drive, because I don't think it does. But that said, all right, so there's your answer to the roads. Guys, not only is this uh, body cam footage just been released, what can it tell us? We have to review the whole thing, but in the middle of all this, another bomb is dropped. We now have a neighbor stating they heard a woman scream, but thought nothing of it. Take a listen to our friends at Inside Edition. And now a neighbor who lives near the house says he heard a woman screaming the night of the murders. 30-year-old Enon Harsh, a chef, says he thinks he heard the scream at around 4 a.m., but he quickly dismissed it as noise coming from a party. I didn't think anything of it. After what happened, I've definitely had second thoughts. Maybe it was not a party sound. 4 a.m. He says around 4 a.m. And, you know, Cheryl McCollum, anything can start a timeline. It could be a, a broken watch on a murder victim's hand that cracked, and you see what time that happened. It could be the dog in the Nicole Brown-Ron Goldman double murder at the hands of O.J. Simpson, where the dog, Akita, lets out this, as the neighbor says, mournful well and here we've got a 4 a.m about 4 a.m scream cheryl well nancy you and i 
have done a whole lot together on cases. And I am a firm believer in knocking on doors. This man should have been found day one, day two. They should canvas again. They should go door to door here. Door to door is going to answer things video can't, quite frankly, just like the ear witness. Video isn't going to give you that. So to me, who has moved away? Who didn't come back from Thanksgiving break? Who appears nervous? Who drives a similar car? They got to get boots on the ground and go door to door. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. Plus, what if your products had thousands of five-star reviews, were natural and affordable? Well, say hello to Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Not sure where to start? I highly recommend the Work System. It's everything you need in one powerful package. Take out the guesswork with a proven routine that includes a gentle yet effective cleanser, a super skin toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. See what everyone is raving about. Dime has over 2 million happy customers and their product reviews are literally five stars and right now through monday dime has their spring into saving sale get 25 off site-wide go to dimebeautyco.com for 25 off every product on the site that's dimebeautyco.com for 25 off but hurry the spring into saving sale ends monday go to dimebeautyco.com from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we're talking about the most recent updates in the last 72 hours in the investigation into the murders of four beautiful young University of Idaho students. Chris McDonough, you have been all over the scene. What do you make of what this new ear witness is saying? I'm, I'm trying to figure out where he lives in relation to the house. He's a chef. He says he hears a scream at 4 a.m. Well, you have to ask yourself, first of all, you know, to to the last uh, point is, you know, good old fashioned police work, you know, ringing doorbells uh, was, you know, needed. And it still is. Uh, I 100 percent agree. But, you know. If this, is, in fact, is the case, then you can do some forensic analysis in relationship to audio. You can bring in some folks, you know, to, to measure off sound, how far it travels at 4 a.m., and see if that's even a possibility. But that needs to be 
that box needs to be checked now that this witness has come forward um, just to verify the validity of you know that potential. Um, and so the fact that the individual, in my opinion, wasn't discovered immediately, um, you know, then you have to ask yourself, well, what's going on in that individual? Uh, why they didn't come forward earlier? Uh, and so then you have to, you know, go down. Oh, can I make right. a comment about that? Yeah, Jeff. I, yeah. I heard somebody, I heard somebody screaming in my neighborhood a couple months ago. It was about three or four in the morning and I heard it. My husband didn't. And we talked about it for about three days. Did you hear something? Did you not? Should we have called the police? It ended up being our next door neighbor had a schizophrenic niece he had taken in who ended up attacking him in the middle of the night. But we debated for a few days and my husband's a judge and we should have just called 911 right away. So it doesn't matter how educated you are, how smart you are. Um, witnesses doubt themselves. This is why child abuse is so vastly underreported. So I would wonder who in this neighborhood also knows something that they don't want to get somebody in trouble who may not be, you know, a primary accessory to the crime. You know, it's interesting, uh, Dr. Bethany, I agree with you. I was called 911. I don't even think it through because I know how critical it could turn out to be. What's interesting about this scream, the chef neighbor hears it's closer to 4 a.m. Now, if we start the timeline there, let's just go out on the ledge and we start the timeline there, that could include or remove the validity of the white Hyundai Elantra, which, by the way, Jackie is saying does not have a four-wheel drive. So, could it get up the hills that Chris McDonough is showing us in his video in the interview room? Could it? Uh, what if it was parked in that parking lot behind the house? Could it have gone down the hills if it was already there? That's just something. Hey, and Nancy, yeah, jump. one other quick thing is when does the sun come up? When does the sun come up there? Because that's part of your timeline, too, is whoever was watching this oh, group. Oh, that's really good. Hey, Jackie or Sydney, just look up. You can do in Farmer's Al Almanac. What time was the sunrise on that day in Moscow? I'm going to get that, Dr. Bethany. I always look up the weather at the time of an incident. Um, Dr. Priya Banerjee joining me, forensic pathologist. You can find her at Anchor Forensic Pathology. Dr. Banerjee, uh, we believe that the four murders by knife occurred between 3 and 4 a.m. The police didn't get there until noon for a lot of different reasons. Question to you. I know it's a science. I know it's an art. Determining TOD, time of death. But regarding blood, what condition would the blood have been, okay, if the bodies, if they had been killed at, say, 4 a.m. at 12, would it have all been coagulated? Would it have all been dried? And then we got to think about how do you collect dried versus coagulated versus fresh blood. But how can you look at a dead body, dead by knife stabbing, and tell me TOD? Yeah, I mean, I think I have so many thoughts on this case, you know, regarding even crime scene stuff. I'll come back to it. But to answer this question... It is an approximation, but I think if you work backwards, like when we, I always used to go to a crime scene. So I'm with you, Nancy. I like to see the body at the scene, sort of understand the environment in which the crime, in, you know, occurred because that also plays into 
did the person fight back? Or here we have multiple, you know, individuals Did they fight back. What might, who might've come first or second, third, fourth, but you know, blood is a, um, you know, it's a fluid, but then it'll coagulate and dry. It really depends on if it's near an air vent, is the heat on, how much blood is pooled. I mean, so that it's hard for me to say, but as time goes on, obviously you're going to have sort of crust forming, dried blood. And so all of that's important, but not just whether it's coagulated, but the pattern, right? If someone's dripping blood from person to person, the knife is dirty, slippery, the blood spatter pattern. And I mean, there's, you know, other experts on this call that are, you know, detectives that really deal with um, that, you know, all of that's so critical. And that's why I like to go because you really get a feel for the movement of people within the You're team. so right. And based on what Dr. Priya Banerjee is saying, forensic pathologist, I think that they can absolutely tell which two victims were killed first because their blood is going to be on the other floor. Exactly. As victim three and four. Guys, in the middle of all of this, we've got the elected coroner. She's not a medical examiner. She's not an MD. It's a huge problem. Guys, she is now this female coroner. Sid, I looked it up like 10 times. Her degree, the coroner, is in, I want to say, political science or art history or psychology. No offense, Dr. Bethany, but um, (laughs) you've got to hear this. I'm going to break out of our, our order, Jackie. Go to Cut 152, our friends at Crime Online. The coroner who ruled four University of Idaho students were stabbed to death is also a defense attorney who is now representing a convicted killer who was just arrested a mile away from the murder house for stalking his wife around the house with a knife. The Latah County Coroner Kathy Maybitt and her office, Maybitt Law, are representing 39-year-old ex-convict James Curtis Leonard of Moscow, Idaho. He allegedly assaulted his wife and her daughter and slashed himself with a knife. Leonard was arrested last week just a mile from the scene where four University of Idaho students were stabbed to death on November 13th. Okay, Dave Mack, um, let me try to understand what I just heard from you. Major, major issue. The coroner, who is not a medical doctor, who is not the medical examiner. Ah, thank you, Jackie. She majored in political science. And she is the one that went out on TV, which my boss, Mr. Slayton, always said, don't speak to the press. Don't, don't do it. If your jury hears it, they'll be thrown off the jury, the, the, the pettit jury. She's representing a convicted killer. Okay, t- who did the guy kill, Dave Mack? Well, he actually um, pled guilty to a uh, manslaughter charge in 2007. Um, it, it was he. I think he was saying it was self-defense. And he got into a fight and killed a guy. But right, here's right, the thing, right, Nancy. Yeah. You know, he was sentenced um, to like 15 years or whatever. But he ended up getting a suspended sentence. He spent a couple months in jail. That was it, and got out. Um, and then, but but again, he is still a convicted killer. And he assaulted his wife and daughter, and then slashed himself with a. Nice. He chased them around. He actually, you know, the little the girl is fifteen years old. He slammed her so hard while he's chasing his wife. 
that she showed signs of a concussion was hiding under a table when police got there. And he's arrested last week one mile from the scene where the four University of Idaho students were stabbed dead. Okay, Dr. Priya Banerjee, why do we have a coroner who's not a medical examiner spouting oh, yeah. off on TV about the murders? She's a political science major. She got her law degree. She's representing a convicted killer. At the same well, time, she's talking about a murder case. I know. Conflict of interest. So coroner is that. It's an elected official. So she, you know, gr got her way into the position. It's a paid political position. And now she's out there trying to represent herself in the media. I don't think it's, I think it's malpractice to talk. I mean, ethical, the ethics are just crazy. But even to talk about an ongoing murder investigation and release all these details when there's no potential suspects really nailed down, I think it's it's ridiculous. Like, I don't know how the bar hasn't come down on her for that. Yeah, I, I don't wish the bar getting up anybody's tailpipe. But in this case, uh, there's a big problem. And if anybody is ever ever brought to trial we're going to have more problems on that we got another problem guys as if you didn't already know that in the investigation no fault of the police okay so just get off their tail for a moment it's about the food truck guy as many people say the hoodie guy if you could just uh, refresh everyone's recollection cheryl mccollum joining me from the cold case research institute who's the hoodie guy He's a guy in the background when you see um, Kaylee and Maddie, they're ordering food. They're talking to some friends. He's in the background. He's not talking to anybody. He's not ordering food. He puts his hood up. He puts a baseball cap on. He's kind of trying to shield his face. When they leave, he leaves. And so he's just very suspicious. And I believe Kaylee's sister is the one that found the video in the first place. So it didn't look right to her either. Chris McDonough joining me, director at the Cold Case Foundation. I found him in his podcast, The Interview Room. Chris McDonough, where were the food trucks as they relate to 1122 King, the murder scene? Uh, they were downtown at 313 North Main. So it's about, you know, um, just under three miles uh, from the residence where uh, Kaylee Madison, Zana, and Ethan were. Okay, now according to police and anybody, Crispin, Brant, McCollum, Marshall, McDonough, Mac, jump in if you have anything that could help us on this guy. We have been told, and I don't know that I believe this, that the food truck guy, the hoodie guy, has left the country. Okay, I don't believe in coincidences, but take a listen to our cut 148. Our friend Les Trent. You're looking at enhanced video of the confrontation between two of the University of Idaho murder victims and another student at a food truck. The time, 1.30 a.m., just hours before the murders. Kaylee Gonsalves and Madison Mogan stopped for mac and cheese after partying at a nearby bar. Everybody seemed like in good spirits, nothing seemed off, and then they start interacting with a couple other people, they're waiting for their food. Now look at this. Video shows Madison pointing at a man in a hoodie who appeared to have followed them to the truck. We had the video and audio from the clip enhanced, and you can hear her using an expletive. Blank you, mister, she says. Okay, so you hear her saying F you. Why is this significant? 
Take a listen to our Cut 149, our friends at Inside Edition. Police have already announced they have cleared the young man in the hoodie. Audio engineer Anthony Nelson enhanced the audio for Inside Edition. What do you hear in that instant? Um, she says, you. So, was there an argument? If so, what was it about? Kaylee's parents say in their opinion, some of the individuals have been cleared too prematurely. Now, according to some reports, the so-called hoodie guy was kicked out of fraternity and has left the country. We don't know if that's true or not. But, as you all know, evidence of flight leaving the scene of a crime can be, you know, evaluated by a jury. But yet police, do they not, Dave Max, say they cleared this guy. And you hear the parents stating some individuals have been cleared too prematurely. What do we know about this guy? Nancy, we know they cleared him really early. I mean, this was something that as soon as that video came out, they were like within 24 hours saying, They'd already talked to everybody there in the video, and the you know the hoodie guy that had drawn everyone's attention was clear. That's what we know about him. All the other information that we could possibly gain about that the hoodie guy is just that. It's just a rumor of hoodie guy. We don't really know who he is, what fraternity he was supposed to be a part of, whether he had been kicked out or left the country. I would not equate getting kicked out of a fraternity with wrongdoing. You can get kicked out of fraternity for not paying your dues, okay? So that is irrelevant to me. Him leaving town quickly. I will say. Jump in. Well, I will say if if this is a serial killer that killed these four young uh, university students, they're not the brightest bulbs. I mean, we talk about them as if they are like, oh, one way in, one way out, you know. Uh, surveilling the property, but often serial killers have something called scoptophilia. That is a perversion with looking, looking, hunting, like hunting, pecking, gathering. They they really fixate on one people or a group of people, and they begin to fuel their sexual and their sadistic fantasies through looking. So I, I would think that somebody who is that perverse and is that preoccupied with killing is not going to rise to the level of being in a fraternity. They're really not. They're going to be in a very low-wage, menial job. And that's really where I began looking as I, as the police. Well, I, I, I hear your reasoning, Dr. Bethany, but let's not forget Ted Bundy was very likable. That's true. Was uh, a, a law student. I mean, you've got the outliers like BTK by Torture Kill, who was a dog catcher. But he also, I think, wasn't he a deacon at his church? He had a wife and children. I don't know. I think they assimilate. Uh, Chris McDonough, what, if anything, do we know about the food truck guy? Uh, you know, I don't think we know a whole bunch about him, Nancy. I, and um, I think the the PD early on, you know, when the rumors started around swirling around him, uh, I'm assuming they have, they contacted him right away. Uh, and I think, you know, proper protocol would have been grab a swab pretty quickly. And then, you know, through rapid DNA, uh, they may have eliminated him through that process. Um, and that's why they came out so quickly and said, hey, this guy's out of the circle. Um, and that's about all I know about him. I, the, the interesting thing, going back to the crime scene for a moment, is in the back of the house, there is a um, like a cinder block. There are a couple out front, but there's one back by a back window. 
uh, where, you know, if you think about the house where it's five women, you know, college students who are staying there, and there's this block that's underneath the window next to the window that has the screen off of it. And when I was standing back there, immediately what came to my mind, you know, through past experience was, is this, do we have a voyeur here somewhere? And has this been, that fantasy been building? Uh, and then, you know, he, he, you know, executed the, these, you know, targets, uh, as a result of what he's been, you know, uh, thinking about for so long, you know, IE, I, you know, BTK, Dennis Rader, uh, is that in play here? And that was one of the thoughts that, uh, I think should be, you know, considered as we look closely at that crime scene, uh, from the exterior in not from the interior out. Chris McDonough, you said a cinder block was below one of the windows that you saw without a screen. Was the cinder block in a position that someone could have stepped on it and gone in the window? Yeah, or they could well not necessarily use it as a tool to get into the window, but necessarily, you know, as a seat, you know, or to stand, use it to look around the blinds and that type of stuff. Was um, it in a position they could have used it to boost in, or was it further away? No, it's up against the building, and you you can see it in the video. And wow. that was it was just it didn't look right. Let me let me put it to you that way. Okay, because I had a cinder block right outside my dorm room, so I wouldn't have to walk all the way through the lobby because it was a long walk to get out of my dorm. I just go out the window on the cinder block. Don't tell anybody at Valdosta State. But that said, I think I heard uh, who, who was that jumping? Was that you, Cheryl, or Dr. Bethany? Well, I was jumping in about the idea about the this perpetrator being a voyeur. That's what I was trying to say about scopophilia and why I mentioned earlier that these were four beautiful young people who had so many pictures of themselves. I mean, these were young people who were relating to each other, engaging with each other, going out and partying, and then meeting late at night and having food together. And And I think there may have been something not just about the individual victims, but the mm -hmm. in interrelatedness between all of them that was Got attractive. it, got it. You think you targeted all four, I understand. Oh, I'd like to jump in about something uh, that I often um, practice as a medical examiner, which is when I go to the scene, you know, we're all human, right? So we have to notice what doesn't fit, i.e. the cinder block. Like, why is it there? You know, I think that these are like big questions that I have. And my understanding is the back of the house, that parking lot. Hey, Nancy, really I'm going to drive you crazy, yeah. but I'm going to mention the dog again. That dog was put in the bedroom that was no longer being used. Who would know that unless it was somebody that had already cased that house and understood that to be true? When that dog was possibly led into that vacant bedroom by the killer and the door shut, most people, if you're going to lead a dog like that, you do it by their collar. That is the reason when you take that dog and let somebody come pick it up, you no longer have that collar, which you could have gotten some DNA off of possibly. Yeah. That's not driving me crazy. I love every single thing that you've just said. But, guys, I want to clear something up about the hoodie guy. In the last days, Moscow police state that they, they don't deny the guy has left the country. They say, quote, they are aware of the rumors. They did not deny or confirm them. And they also say the person in question continues cooperating. That's all we know. And remember, their duty is not to us on the outside. Their duty is to solve this case. Chris McDonough joining me uh, from the interview room. Chris, is there anything else that stuck out in your mind other than the cinder block? Well, you know, 
uh, Nancy, when I was walking around, you know, out on the public street and I was, you know, just kind of taking it all in, I looked down by the trash cans out front and there was a black glove and it was partially covered by snow. Um, immediately, you know, the red flags went up in my mind. It's like, okay, you know, there's a glove here and, you know, I don't know who it belonged to, how it got there, how long it had been there, but it just another anomaly that just didn't look right. So I got hold of the officer who was sitting there at the scene and, you know, asked him to come over and I pointed it out to him and he went and in his reaction was, wow. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm a retired homicide guy. You probably want to, you know, collect that. And he took some pictures of it and said, I'm going to tell our CSI folks. Well, come to find out, there is pictures of that glove within the first couple of days. Um, you can see it behind the trash cans in the front. And this was a couple of weeks later that, uh, you know, I saw it. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, how did this thing get here? Is the, you know, is the suspect, is this even belong to the suspect? Does it belong to a neighbor? Does it belong to one of the victims? I mean, we don't know. Uh, but I thought it was an anomaly that, you know, just, again, did not look right. Man, you're giving me a bad feeling, Chris McDonough, as if I didn't already have one with four dead bodies. Guys, the tip line, 208-883-7180. Repeat, 208-883-7180. Also, the feds have set up a video tip line, so to speak, where you can upload any video or photos, your ring doorbell, your cell phone, your anything that may help them, which was pretty brilliant, at fbi.gov slash Moscow, Idaho. fbi.gov slash Moscow, Idaho. We pray for justice. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.